Hello, and welcome to Leeds Voices, the new weekly podcast brought to you by the University of Leeds. I'm Alex Regan, and this week the UK is being taken over by Eurovision fever. After a decade of bad results and a few dreaded nil pois, the UK is hosting the globe's biggest song contest in Liverpool. Later, we'll be hearing from the Leeds alum who helped secure second place for the UK last year. But before that, we've got a treat for you in the shape of the world's biggest Eurovision fan and BBC Russia editor, Steve Rosenberg. Steve's known for his work reporting on Russia and the war in Ukraine, but he also happens to be a talented pianist and can play about 300, yes, that's right, 300 former Eurovision entries off by heart. We spoke to him for Leeds Magazine last year about his enduring love for Eurovision. You've got a bit of a cult following on social media for your musical tributes to famous people who've passed away and also being a Eurovision superfan and being able to play every single Eurovision winner uh, off by heart since 1956. Firstly, how? <laughs> and secondly, um, I mean... It's when, sad, when, isn't it? It's yeah, sad. It's, it's absolutely... No, it's not. It's absolutely astonishing. I mean, I, I, I know so many people who uh, have a love of Eurovision, but yours just takes it to another level. When, when did this sort of happen? It's, it's less a talent, I think, and more a medical condition. I... I <laughs> I told you that I used to watch a lot of telly and I fell in love at an early age with the Eurovision Song Contest because it was one of the few programmes my parents would allow me to stay up late to watch, right? And um, there was something about it I just, I just really liked. And um, I started sort of um, trying to play Eurovision songs on the piano. Anyway, uh, every year I'd watch Eurovision and I'd sort of pick up the, the songs and the winning songs. And it just became a thing, you know, some people collect stamps, don't they? Some people collect coins, and I kind of collected Eurovision songs. So, uh, yes, it, it, it's a bit embarrassing to say, but yeah, I, I can play every winning song and probably another couple of hundred kind of classic <laughs> Eurovision songs. And um, yeah, it's just nice. Uh, to get away from the craziness of Kremlin politics and, and war by sitting down and, and, and entering the, the world of Eurovision, just sort of messing about on the piano. And what's been nice the last five years or so around Eurovision time, we've been doing these, these Eurovision piano request hours live. So people have been uh, sending in their requests and I've been sort of playing them live at, at the piano, which has been really nice. You know, a day where you can just forget about um, politics and everything and just just have a day of music so that that's been fun um that's astonishing escapism and just the (laughs) the most uh, but the most incredible way to sort of free yourself from the the daily grind uh, just the the good thing is as far as my wife is concerned i've got one of these what they call silent pianos so it's an ordinary acoustic piano but it's got this special mode where you can go into electric uh, electronic and plug in headphones so she doesn't have to listen to hours of endless Eurovision melodies being played on the piano. I can just sit there and, and, and listen, to my, yeah, listen to them myself. Mm-hmm. 
and you can read and listen to our full interview with Steve earlier this year. The link is in the description of the podcast. And finally, who can forget the excitement around last year's UK Eurovision entry? Sam Ryder's Spaceman helped reverse a decade of misfortune for Britain in the Eurovision Song Contest, and one these alum was there during the whole thing. Joe Mason worked as a digital producer on the UK's 2022 Eurovision entry and as a producer for this year's contest in Liverpool. We spoke to him earlier about turning around the UK's misfortunes in the song contest. After a decade or more of uh, really not great results um, at the Eurovision Song Contest, it really felt as though um, it was going to be a massive hurdle just to start getting things in the right direction. Um, And there have been lots of changes in the BBC Eurovision team over the last few years and strategy and direction uh, because the United Kingdom has wanted to do well at Eurovision. And how everything came together in Turin with uh, Sam Ryder, just the most perfect artist to uh, represent our country. And um, it's going to be an absolute honour for the UK to, um, to, as Sam put it, to host Eurovision at our house. It's Ukraine's party. Um, we're just providing the house for it. After such a disappointing year in 2021 when James Newman got uh, arguably an unnecessary uh, Neil Poir. What did it feel like being in Turin and just being part of that spectacle and Sam doing so, so well? It was a surreal experience on the ground in Turin. Sam obviously was an outstanding artist. We knew he had a great song and uh, we had a great staging concept. But in reality, when you're there, so many things still need to change. You know, there are so many technical requirements for Eurovision being the biggest live entertainment show in the world. And you're working together with colleagues from across the continent who um, are still under uh, differing COVID restrictions and you know we're all just getting back to, to working a little bit more like how we normally do this is um, as with Rotterdam you know in 2021 we're still getting up back running since the show was cancelled in 2020 because of COVID with Sam he does just have the best attitude everything that you see and hear from him is absolutely how he is when he's not on camera when he's not on mic Um, he's just an utter gent and works so so hard and I think that as we went through the rehearsal process more and more people from other countries from the other delegations um, you know you, you get to chat to a lot of people behind the scenes at Eurovision because all the other countries are rehearsing at the same time and it becomes a bit of a family feel and they were telling us Sam has a real shot have you considered that he might come not just top 10 not just top 5 he could be a contender to win this thing and so even though you try and ignore the hype and you just carry on doing the job that you're all doing as a team there was just such a feel good positive factor within Team Spaceman And I think that that really kind of uh, was conveyed as well to the to the fans of Eurovision who follow it every step of the way, Um, because most people, they watch Eurovision the grand final night is one night of the year on Saturday, but Eurovision is <laughs> it's all year round. It's such an amazing party. It really does take over the city. Um, 
and the region of where it's held because of course you have the competition itself but there's also lots of side events and you have the Euro Village you have the Euro Club um, screens in which you can watch the live shows from but then also just celebrations about the history of the song contest and there's no event really that brings people together outside of a sporting context quite like it from all over the globe. As a TV producer and as a camera nerd and everything to do with TV behind the scenes, the Eurovision Song Contest is the most innovative TV show show in the world it's live anything could go wrong um, but also it's been a growing platform for, for successful musicians especially with the launch of uh, TikTok in recent years um, the, the competition's just got bigger and bigger and so I was just I would sit there watching it at home and just getting frustrated by the UK's results and I just wanted to learn and understand why uh, we weren't necessarily doing so well at the song contest I know that a lot of people in the UK used to blame politics or it's because nobody in Europe likes us but I just knew that wasn't the case because as soon as you meet other people from other countries they, they just kind of were like oh Oh, why, why does the UK not do so well? So that's basically what I wanted to try and uh, work on the song contest for was to learn and uh, to ultimately help change our results. I ended up moving to Switzerland for a year to go and work for the EBU to really go and learn how Eurovision works from the inside. They're the kind of main organizers of the event. Um, and when I came back from Switzerland pre-COVID, um, I kept in touch with the, the team at the BBC and there came an opportunity for someone to join um, their social team to basically be the person to lead the, the social accounts and transfer what I did for the EBU um, onto a BBC Eurovision platform. So that was in 2021 when we had James Newman represent us. And then in 2022, uh, things really started to actually come to life with everything that we've been working for over the past 12 months, much longer than that, to really change the fate of Eurovision in the UK. Um, and everything that we did with Team Spaceman in Turin and everything that Sam represented, we couldn't have been prouder of his efforts. And it really was a true team effort. It's a small team who actually work on Eurovision from each country, um, because of course you have over 40 countries compete. So each team's fairly small in the delegation. Um, but all of us, every member of Sam's team, every member of the BBC and uh, the the stage producers, um, the directors, uh, Sam's management team, we were all on the same page, which was, we're just gonna give this everything. We're just gonna put on the best show and make sure that we deliver something that the UK can be proud of. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of Leeds Voices. It was presented and produced by me, Alex Regan. Leeds Voices is brought to you by the University of Leeds Advancement Team. You can follow us on social media at Leeds Alumni or get in touch by email at alumni at leeds.ac.uk. Mm -hmm.